This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Are you aware that the Ontario government is trying to pass a new bill that would change the way health care is delivered? It's called Bill 41, Patients First the Patients First Act, uh, the proposal would add a whole new layer of bureaucracy to the process. And a group of doctors has undertaken an ad campaign to tell us they believe this will actually be harmful to patients. Dr. Nadia Alam is a family doctor and anesthesiologist from the group Ontario Concerned Doctors. She's been a vocal critic of the government in the past, and she is also an incoming director of the Ontario Medical Association. She joins me now. Dr. Alam, thank you for joining us. Oh, Libby, thank you so much for having me. And please call me Nadia. Okay, Nadia. So, uh, you know, I don't think most people are aware of this bill. So can you explain to us uh, what the change is? Right now, uh, the way healthcare in the province is organized, it's around these LINs or or um, I have it, uh, local health integrated network. So how would that change? So you're right, Libby, that currently the way healthcare delivery, part of it is organized is that it's a decentralized model. So it's supposed to be that the Ministry of Health takes care of some stuff, but these local administrative organizations, these LINs take care of the rest of stuff, the day-to-day stuff. However, they've been trying and failing to be able to integrate local health care or care on a local level for the past 10 years to the tune of about $90 million a year. So we, we all know that our healthcare care system is in trouble, right? We see it every day. There aren't enough hospital beds, not enough nursing homes, not enough home care services, not enough docs, not enough nurses um, and other allied health professionals. So wait lists for even the basics of care are at unprecedented levels. To fix this, the Ontario Liberals have introduced Bill 41, the Patients First Act. Unfortunately, Bill 41 is a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing. A lot of doctors feel, including the Ontario Medical Association itself, we've come out against this bill because we don't feel it actually puts patients first. We feel it puts bureaucracy first and patients last. And and, uh, please explain how you think it, it does this. It's adding a whole other layer of bureaucracy, correct? Absolutely. Bang on. That's the first thing that we object to. It, it creates a whole new layer of expensive, redundant, ineffective bureaucracy, kind of like the LINs, but supersized. So right now there are 14 LINs across Ontario. This bill will add on about 78 more sub-LINs. So they're, they're going to be bigger or smaller? <laughs> they're supposed to be smaller, but they're all going to have executive directors, which are very expensive. They're all going to have various leads, VPs, boards, things like that, which are also very expensive. So even though they're technically smaller, the overall number of bureaucrats in our healthcare system is going to rise. The problem is there is no extra money for healthcare. So more money goes to executive directors means less funding for patient services. 
The other two reasons that doctors object and won't support this bill, by and large, is that the Ministry of Health will dictate standards of medical care, right? This is a clear conflict of interest because this is not the government's job. The government's job is to manage the province and balance the books. A physician's job, a nurse's job, an allied health provider's job is to take care of patients. That's why they can focus and independently put patient needs above the province's budget. In here, for some bizarre reason, the government has decided they want to take a cookie-cutter approach to having medical standards for health care. The final reason we're frustrated with this bill is that it gives the government unwarranted access to patient records. So patient's health record is sacrosanct, right? That is where you have strict controls, strict rules about how to handle these health information records. So this contains everything, every medical information about a patient. So whether they've had an STD ever, whether they've had mental health issues ever, whether they've had cancer ever, what treatments they've had, who they've seen, that's their record. Libby, these records are so protected that even if a policeman wanted access to these records, they'd have to go through the courts to access it. And here the government wants to pass a law saying that whomever, whatever supervisor they appoint can walk into a clinic and get access to these records. Have they explained why they want that? No, the bill doesn't really go into details of why this would ever be necessary. If they wanted to know whether docs and nurses and physiotherapists were applying were providing appropriate care, all of these professions have regulatory bodies that already do that. So I, why does the government need to do it too? Doesn't uh, really make sense. I want to go back to uh, standard of care. Um, what is the problem with having a standard of care? I mean, I know that in certain kinds of it. Uh, illness, say, in cancer treatments, there there are standards of care for certain illnesses. What's the problem with that? So the doctors already follow those standards of care. They're the ones who develop them. They base it on research. They base it on evidence. They base it on best practice. There is no guarantee that the government is going to do the same. The other thing is these standards of care are guidelines. Sometimes, you, like I said, people don't come in cookie-cutter shapes they should not get cookie-cutter health care. So say, uh, I was talking to a doctor last night who works up in Sioux Lookout. She has a patient who's pregnant, has diabetes, and also has an opioid addiction. So three massive problems, right? The patients, uh, to match diabetic guidelines, all the doctor has to do is prescribe medications. Problem is, her pregnant patient doesn't have access to electricity, doesn't have access to, doesn't have enough money to buy healthy food, right? Because produce and vegetables cost way more up north than a bottle of pop. But if you don't have money, that's what it is, right? So in this case, the doctor is choosing to focus on the other determinants of health, her poverty, her substance abuse, her addiction, rather than the diabetes. Under this legislation, that doctor would be punished for that for not foreseeing the reality of what her patient's situation is and trying to focus on other stuff before getting to the diabetes. Do you see what I mean? It's sort I, of a, it's I, a tricky scenario. Just because the guidelines are there doesn't mean that you have to follow them. You should, but within reason. Right? Nad- Nadia, let me give the numbers out again because I'd like yeah. to hear from our listeners on 
possibly on problems they've had with the bureaucracy? And also, what do you think about adding a whole other layer of bureaucracy to try to solve the problems in these local health integrated networks? And, um, you know, is this something I think most people are just, you know, not aware of this? Uh, and, uh, you know, in a minute we'll we'll get to the timetable and everything. But the numbers to call four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Those are the numbers to call. We like to hear your stories. Are you having difficulty getting access to a primary care physician, a family doctor, or maybe to a specialist? Uh, have you had encounters with bureaucracy? And what do you think about the government's plan to introduce a whole new level of this? I'm on the line with Dr. Nadia Alam, who is a family doctor and an anesthesiologist, and she is with the group Ontario Concerned Doctors. Nadia, uh, what do you think this money should be spent on, or how do you think the problem could be solved? So right now, Libby, my biggest concern is the fact that my patients are waiting longer and longer for the basics of care. Right? It's frustrating to me to watch them sit on wait lists. The courtesy of the government, courtesy of the government's choices, a friend of mine jokingly, but not so jokingly, remarked, well, you know, this government has improved patient access to wait lists. It hasn't really improved it to health care. And I agree with him. I agree that right now patients are spending an unprecedented amount of time just hanging around on a wait list in suspended animation waiting to get health care. This money should go towards patient services. If we had enough healthcare resources in Ontario, we would not have wait lists, right? If you compare it to other provinces or other countries, even well, we're actually better than other problem. We we're actually better than other provinces, uh, but not better than other countries. That's for sure. Some provinces, yeah, but there are other provinces that have shorter wait times than we do. Um, there was just a report that came out from Health uh, Quality Ontario, and overall Ontario does have the shortest waiting times, though our waiting times have been growing. That was uh, just out, I think, last week. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, wait times are growing, and it's a problem. Do you see the way uh, the bureaucracy is organized now as an impediment, as a problem? I think the reason it becomes a problem is that it's drawing money away from frontline services. So the services like hospital beds, like nurses, like physiotherapy, it's drawing money away from that. If you look at how much bureaucracy, say, say you take the Ministry of Health. Right. Like, take the Ministry of Health, there's about 3,800 employees there working hard, trying to minister to the health of the province. Let's put it in perspective. Take Turkey, for example. Turkey's Ministry of Health for the entire country has 3,600 employees. Their population, the population of that entire country, is six times that of Ontario. This is a problem. The emphasis Ontario puts on using bureaucracy to solve problems is the wrong way. And that's why Bill 41, all it's going to do is just draw money away from frontline funding 
for care by doctors, by nurses, by physiotherapists, by personal support workers, and put it into executive directors and VPs and and staff. And that's not the priority that should be there in healthcare. Okay, let's take a call from uh, Bob in Mississauga. Hi, Bob. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, first thing I'd like to say is we need uh, more and more doctors like Nadia to come out because, you know, a lot of this stuff that goes on, uh, you know, it just unless you're paying attention to the news 24-7, uh, the government, the way they sneak out these media releases, you'll you'll miss it. But my question is, we have lens now, so what the doctor is talking about, is that going to be an additional layer of bureaucracy? Uh, I believe so, yes. Nadia? Yes, absolutely. So those 14 lens, they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. They're adding on another 78 sub-lens on top of that. And those sub-lens are allowed to strike up whatever committees they need to. So more, so more something. people on the sunshine list. <laughs> yes, yes, more people on the sunshine list. So, so Less I guess for you. I guess if I was a doctor, my solution would be: uh, hopefully, we have an election in the next while. There's an election in 2018, Bob. <laughs> Can you do anything about shortening that up, Libby? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't yes, think I mean, so. Um, I thought maybe you had a talk show magic wand or something. Um, <laughs> I suppose that, um, uh, Nadia, your group of doctors has undertaken an ad campaign, um, uh, one that looks to be quite expensive, I might add, to try to tell people about this. But is there anything that we can actually do about this? So the first, just to clarify, that ad campaign came from the section of general, general and family practice. Uh-huh. So that's a section of the OMA that independently put together the ads and put them out and paid for them to, to run in the Globe and Mail and the National Post and the Toronto Star. Um, those ads are great, right? They, they give you an idea in picture form of what's coming down the line with this bill. Um, concerned Ontario doctors um, and the various groups like Doctors for Justice, Doctors Ontario, the Coalition of Ontario Doctors, and the official legal representative of all doctors in Ontario, Ontario Medical Association. Everybody is against this bill. We're all united in that. We, we all see the problems with this bill, and we all agree that we need to fight together for this bill. I should also clarify that as of August, I had stepped down from being co-leader of Concerned Ontario Doctors. I'm still out there fiercely advocating, just like Bob said, right? We need more doctors out there talking about this stuff. Um, so I'm still doing that, but I have officially stepped down from the leadership. Okay, concerned Ontario doctors. Right, but what what I'm what I'm what I'm asking is okay. So you you've put out these ads, yes. or the group has put out these ads to tell people. But is yes. is there anything that you want people to do? Is there some kind of call to action? Is there anything that can be done about this, or do we just have to wait till uh, the majority government puts this in and starts implementing it? So the government's trying to push this through. The best thing that the 13 million Ontarians that are out there can do is write a letter. If you go on doctorsandpatients.ca, there is an email form that you can fill out to log your objection to this bill. You can also go on stopbill41.ca to sign a petition to try and stop this bill or at least amend it, right? Try and mitigate the damage. 
the best thing patients can do is go on record and say, you know what, we didn't agree to this. If you keep steamrolling this through, we're going to get really upset and you're going to feel that hurt come 2018. The government isn't that interested in listening to doctors, right? They've kind of disregarded all of our advice for a long time. The Liberals have anyway. The PCs, they've been listening a bit. The NDPs, not so much. The Liberals, not at all. They've not listened to us at all. But they will listen to the public. That there's so much power that the ordinary person has in Ontario. If they rise up, the government will listen. Because they're the ones who put them up. They're the ones who can take them down. Uh, have you um, done any kind of, of costing uh, you know, is there a ballpark number of what it will take to set up all of these sublins? I have no idea. I wouldn't even know where to go to figure that out. I do know from talking to various executive directors who already work um, in family health teams or in in the lens, their salaries run at about a hundred thousand plus. So it's it's an expensive layer of bureaucracy. We're not talking about just hiring a couple of secretaries. We're talking about hiring. Sorry. Talking about a group of personnel. Sorry, I, we we didn't uh, we didn't quite catch that. So you oh. all, all of these, and do you have any idea how how many people needs to uh, how many people a, a sublin would hire? I don't know that that information. I don't know, and I don't have. The government's refused to provide it, even though doctors have asked, um, the the OMA has asked, um, the opposition parties have asked. The, the Liberals have been very reticent on that point. Okay, uh, let's uh, hear from Elizabeth in Aurora. Hi, hi, Elizabeth. Oh, hi. I am. I just heard uh, Premier Wynn uh, was. Uh, being very sorry because she didn't know what the consequences of the hydro <sighs> mock-up will be. And now here we are, they are pushing something to which they don't know what the consequences are or doctors do. Why cannot we have family physicians where you walk into a family physician's office, he knows your history or she knows your history, knows how your family is, knows your circumstances. We cannot pull this, as uh, the doctor said, this cookie-cutter business uh, on everybody. Well, that's my take on it. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Elizabeth. Uh, So um, uh, just uh, in closing, Nadia, I mean, it seems like this whole thing has been very much under the radar. It's been a bit of a nightmare, Libby. It's it's been so frustrating because the government cut down the amount of time <clears throat> that they had for consultations to, to get feedback from Patients Canada, which is the major patient advocacy group in Ontario and in Canada. They cut down the amount of time that they would get feedback from even Health Quality Ontario, even from Ontario Medical Association, frontline doctors like me. They've really put the bums rush on this bill. They're just barreling it through. In fact, it's going to go for its third reading tomorrow. Third reading tomorrow. Well, that's yeah. that's like a done deal. Yeah, I know. It's only been a matter of like a couple of weeks, and they've just barreled it through. It's a runaway train, and it's so frustrating to watch this happen and feel 
Yeah, I guess I guess able to stop it. I guess the only saving grace is that even if the bill passes, it doesn't. Uh, they're not usually very quick at making things happen. Yeah, so. it's going to get even more slower if doctors just won't comply, and is, that may end up happening. Oh, right? a lot of doctors. I've been hearing through the grapevine. A lot of doctors are saying, "I'm not going to help put this bill through. I'm still going to go to work. I'm still going to do my job. I'm going to take care of my patients." I don't have to deal with any more bureaucracy to fix their mess. I'm just not doing it. So what if they do that, then this will, that'll definitely slow this down. So what do what would doctors have to do to comply? Um, they would have to go onto committees. They would have to go into meetings. They would have to help restructure everything. Hmm. And that would take time away from patients, right? So that's partly why doctors are so furious about this. There already aren't enough doctors taking care of the patients. There's almost a million Ontarians who don't have a family doctor. and Patients are sitting for years on wait lists. My job, my priority is patient care. I am not taking any more time away from patient care to help fix this government's mess. If they want to make a mess, fine. Go for it. Do it without my help. Okay. Dr. Nadia Alam, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. Yet another thing, we have to hold uh, the government's feet to the fire. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Libby, for having me on the show. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.